Hi, this is Gary Meese back with the case against. Sorry, it's been a while. I had uh, internet interruptions from uh, Hurricane Ida, which basically the only real problem I had with the hurricane, other than uh, 12 hours or so of anxiety. Um, and I've had a number of other things going on. So, uh, and you could put it, some of it down to simple distraction, laziness, but the truthfully, I've been very busy doing other things. And, uh, but I'm hoping to get back again on the swing on the podcast. Uh, having the internet out really threw me off a great deal. Um, before I go further, I would like to dedicate this episode to uh, the memory of Bob Lorimer, who was my very good friend before he became my brother-in-law many, many years ago. And uh, he uh, passed back in September. Uh, very, very sad time for the family. And uh, I, I would like to say that he, he was also a police officer for many years and, uh, and a very good one. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, I'm going to talk today about, I'm going to go revisit the book, Occult Crime, Detection, Investigation, and Verification by William Edward Lee Dubois that was used by the West Memphis Police Department for research purposes back in 1993-1994 for them to get gain some sort of understanding of what they believe to be an occult crime. Uh, at least many of them did. Um, I will say briefly that uh, just uh, Friday or so, there was a notice that came from PR Flack, Lonnie Salary, and uh, and also from Mara Leverett, alleged journalist Mara Leverett, that uh, the courts had uh, ordered the West Memphis Police Department to come up with an explanation for... Uh, not providing information. They're supposed to provide the information on the, uh, the dispensation of the evidence in the West Memphis Three case, including an explanation of, <coughs> of any missing evidence and the circumstances thereof. At least that's what they say in their tweets. They don't back up with any uh, documentation on that. I don't know what the court actually ordered. Uh, or if the court actually ordered anything. Um, I, I find it rather difficult to access aspects of the court records. But uh, I, I understand that that, 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 that that order is not officially in place on the docket yet, but perhaps it, perhaps it is at this point, but it certainly wasn't say yesterday. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I would like to say too, that I, I would like to see an explanation as to what went on with this evidence. Uh, I suspect strongly that this, this is going to turn out to be a whole lot of hoopla about something that's not really, that significant, 
uh, I, I suspect some evidence may have gotten lost, destroyed, or damaged over the over the course of almost 30 years, which wouldn't be unusual. There's nothing. There's nothing illegal about that. Uh, the courts have ruled that that as long as uh, these bodies, these official bodies, are acting in good faith, they, they can't really simple evidence being lost, destroyed, or misplaced, or whatever is not, as long as there's no intention involved, and they took reasonable precautions, that it really is just uh, not uh, actionable as far as, you know, legal action. Uh, doesn't, shouldn't affect the dispensation of the case. The idea that Damien Eccles is going to be able to get back in there and retry the case somehow based on the fact that evidence was supposedly missing and when he took a guilty plea in 2011. I don't know that any court is going to buy that. I don't think it's, I, I think it was acknowledged at the time. In fact, I know it was acknowledged at the time that some things were not available at that time. They did not make an issue out of that. Uh, the paper bags that were used for storing items, for instance, they simply didn't know where they were. Uh, probably didn't think to preserve them. Uh, and they let's say they should have. I, I don't disagree that they should have. Uh, but uh, the fact that they didn't was not significant enough to prompt any action from the court. And if it's missing evidence that's at that level, I don't really see that all this noise is going to really amount to anything. I don't really see how it's going to amount to anything anyway. The case has been uh, basically dispensed with at this point. They, they pleaded guilty. They served out their probation period. The whole thing's over with. Uh, the idea that they can go back and sue for damages or whatever, uh, they, can, they can do that. But how far will it get in courts? Probably not very far, but, uh, you know, this is about publicity. It's about uh, drawing attention, which Damien Eccles loves. And it's about feeding conspiracy theories. And I, um, West Memphis 3 Facts mentioned that whatever happens with this, West Memphis 3 Facts Facebook page, I mentioned that uh, this probably won't stop the conspiracy theories. And I, I agree with that. They probably, the, the idea that the West Memphis 3 were somehow victims of some sort of vast conspiracy between the police, the prosecutors, uh, the courts, uh, the whole justice system, uh, that's probably not ever going to go away, uh, just simply because it feeds into the narrative that the supporters choose to believe, even though there's no evidence that there's any sort of uh, collusion uh, other than, you know, the simple co collaboration that, go on, that goes on between uh, various various parts of the court, you know, prosecutors, defense lawyers, you know, have dealings with the, the, the um, police. They have dealings with the case files. They have dealings with the, the, uh, the, the judges and the court system and the court 
you know, all that is just, you know, typical, typical business. And I think that's, that's, uh, there's no evidence that anything went on beyond that. But we, we, again, we hear over and over about the corrupt police and their conspiracy, and there, but there's never been a shred of evidence that there's anything like that going on at all. And I, I challenge anybody who's a supporter to come up with any evidence at all that there was some grand conspiracy to, to target these boys, to take attention off somebody else etc etc which is why we hear all the time um, but you know I'm going to talk today uh, I'm going to skip a chapter in this book that simply goes over uh, is definitions of classification of satanic groups uh, you know it basically he breaks it down I'm, you can break it down into that they're they're sort of there are organized satanic groups and they're sort of disorganized or unorganized satanic groups. Some are criminal and some are not. Uh, he breaks it down into uh, non-criminal. Satanist, the Satanic Church category, the Splinter Group category, and four categories of criminal Satanists, the clandestine Satanic category, the intergenerational Satanist category, the self-styled Satanist category, and the independent Satanist category. And I think you'll find that there's some overlap in all that. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Church of Satan today. Uh, I'll say briefly the chapter written well before the death of uh, the church so-called church founder Anton LaVey uh, since since his death uh, and the ascendancy of Peter Gilmore as the uh, chief priest or high pope or whatever the heck he is he uh, uh, the Church of Satan is gotten very fundamentalist in its views concern a lot of irony in all this they're very fundamentalist in their views of what constitutes satanism and what does not constitute satanism and basically anything that does not conform to their idea of what satanism is is not satanism it's pseudo satanism as far as they're concerned uh, a lot of rich irony in all this for a bunch of, you know, edgy outsiders who are, you know, all, all about bucking the system. And that's all this, all this church of Satanists, Satanist, Satan was ever about was just sort of thumbing your nose at the convention. That's how it started out. Anton LaVey in his black house in San Francisco, trying to outrage people, getting media publicity. It's questionable how many people were ever actually seriously involved in this. And even the ones who were so-called seriously involved, many of them are doing it for a lark or for attention. Um, no doubt there's some, no doubt there are some who are very serious about this particular form of philosophy, but basically it's just a, uh, just a, a strange variant of uh, atheistic materialism 
um, and doesn't need all the that the satanic trappings are actually a distraction from that if you want to adhere to that particular form of philosophy. The idea that there's magic beyond, uh, and they define magic in terms of uh, act, you know, acts of will, focusing of attention, that sort of thing, which in a certain sense uh, makes a kind of sense, and it's not even that far off from the Crowleyan formulation to a point about uh, the overcoming of the will, uh, you know, turning the will in such a way that you affect events. Uh, I'm going to say Damien Eccles, and part of the reason this is relevant is Damien Eccles had read the Book of Satan did express admiration for Anton LaVey and said he would like to meet him. I will say, however, that there's no evidence that Damien Eccles has ever been an atheistic Satanist. Uh, he seems to, he talks a great deal about spiritual entities as if they're very real to him, uh, probably more so than many nominal Christians would much more so than many nominal Christians would talk about spiritual entities being real to them. He has a stronger belief in his variety of angels, apparently, than many churchgoers, many, many churchgoers. But uh, so he's he's got his own set of beliefs. He follows those. Uh, I. I'm not advocating that he's doing. I'm not suggesting he's on a really valid spiritual path, but he's, up, he's not up to no good, because I think he is up to no good. But uh, mostly he's up to making some cash at this point, and he's, figured, he's got his little gig, and he's figured it out to a point, and he's just going to work it and work it and work it until um, it wears itself out, or he, he finds, a, he, he builds continues to build on his comfortable little niche until he has a nice little source of income, which I think he already has a certain amount of that. Uh, and that's about it. He's not doing, you know, he supposedly is founding this magic school in New Orleans, a place where there's already at least one other magic school arguably maybe two or three, but certainly there was one quite recently, and I think it's still in place. Uh, when I say magic school, I'm talking about people practicing ritual forms of magic. There's a, there is an OTO chapter in uh, New Orleans, and we know Eccles was involved in the OTO in prison. Uh, so, you know, there's a say there's a somewhat welcoming environment in New Orleans, but there's also competition. But my main point with this is he was talking about he was going to found this magnum opus school in New Orleans, and I've seen nothing on it uh, in months. As, as far as we know, he didn't move to New Orleans. He did have to evacuate after uh, Hurricane Ida. Uh, I haven't really seen much, uh, you know, perhaps he's 
talked a while about this in his videos. I, I really can't stand to watch much of his videos. They're just, they're just simply too boring, too predictable, and he doesn't say anything that's particularly interesting. But, uh, so I don't follow them closely. I do listen, I usually listen for a few minutes and if he doesn't get into it right away with something relevant, then, you know, I move on from it. Um, but I haven't seen anything about this school. So I, I, I really wonder if that's even going to happen. But, you know, cost of living's cheaper in New Orleans. Uh, I'm sure he'll do fine. And it's, it's a somewhat welcoming environment, I guess. I really don't know for sure about that uh, when you get down to the street level. Now, uh, I was going to say that uh, Anton LaVey, the founder, died in the late 90s. So some of this, some of this information about Antoine LaVey and the Church of Satan is going to be outdated, but we're, I'm reading this information, I'm sharing this information, not because, as an update on the Church of Satan, but what the um, police were looking at in 1993-1994 as they were investigating this crime that appeared to be ritualistic, which was the murders of Christopher Byers, Michael Moore, and Stevie Branch on May 5th, 1993 in West Memphis, Arkansas. Uh, most commonly known as the murders associated with the so-called West Memphis Three. Uh, satanic church, uh, anyway, he, he goes off with his satanic church category. Associated criminal activity, none. And with a footnote, satanic churches do not advocate criminal activity and their rituals are non-criminal. However, individual members, like members of all religions, may become involved in a full range of non-church sanctioned criminal activity. Uh, ritual type, illegal satanic rituals, member profile, both sexes, mostly adults from every walk of life. This is estimated numbers. Uh, current membership, this is 1993, or uh, when he wrote this, which is prior to 1993. Current membership is unknown, but one church in the category had a membership close to 25,000 in the mid-1970s. And they are open about satanic worship. Uh, one church having a claim of 25,000 in the mid-1970s is certainly at the high end of oh, reasonable claims uh, there's no there are no numbers on church membership in the church of Satan uh, all sorts of estimates are thrown out there from a low of a few hundred people to oh hundreds of thousands are somehow involved in it I suggest it's somewhere in the middle and with the interest probably dropping over time, I would say, uh, except for occasional public uh, public events, <clears throat> well, uh, you know, there was uh, a public event in uh, Detroit, in particular, 
uh, involving a, the Church of Satan a couple of years ago, the veiling of a large statue. Um, they got a lot of media publicity, and no doubt that helps helps with their numbers. But it's hard to say. And nobody knows. Well, somebody knows, but we have no way of knowing how many members are actually involved in the Church of Satan. Certainly, how many are actively involved and seriously believe in its tenets. Yeah, it's it's just impossible to know. Uh, this is a description of what happened with the Church of Satan, um, how it started, so forth. Antoine LaVey's Church of Satan on April 30th, 1966. Uh, Ex-police photographer Anton Sandor LaVey, also known as Howard Levy, announced the formation of San Francisco's Church of Satan. It was the first satanic group to call itself a church and to conduct its fairs openly. The Church of Satan was and is listed in the phone book under churches and in its heyday had a membership approaching 25,000. Okay, I don't even know how he got that number, but let's, let's just take it for what it is. The church offered satanic baptisms, weddings, and funerals. Its influence was felt worldwide and the church established branch churches across the United States. LeVay, who called himself the Black Pope, is the author of the Satanic Bible, a paperback published by Avon Books, which even today outsells the traditional Holy Bible on college campuses. I'm not sure that was true at the time this was written. <laughs> I doubt very seriously if it's true now, but perhaps it is. The Avon Company won't say how many of the books have been printed since it first appeared in 1969, but some bookstores in the United States today can still barely keep the book on their shelves. Just before Halloween in 1987, one Joint Powers Task Force in the state of New Mexico had to send an officer to Texas to acquire a copy of the book because every bookstore in New Mexico that carried the book was sold out. During the occult revival of the late 1960s and early 1970s, Satanism under Anton LaVey became faddish. LaVey's breed of Satanism is relatively harmless and even attracted stars like Jane Mansfield and Sammy Davis Jr. We'll leave the judgment on the relatively harmlessness of it to this author. When the occult began to lose its popularity in the mid-1970s, membership and interest in LaVey's church tapered off, but it still exists in Anton LaVey, still has an enormous influence over satanic worshipers in the world today. This is in italics. There, there is no occult crime associated with this organization. Even so, many people who leave the organization later become involved in occult crime, so it is important to look at the belief system and ritual structure of the Church of Satan. People of every type and description, both men and women of all ages and all professions, belong to the Church. There's no typical or average member. They do not fit into a profile. Strangely, these LaVey Satanists do not believe in Satan as an entity. They believe in the power of self. They are basically social Darwinists. They see Satan as symbolic of the carnal side or nature of man. In essence, LaVey Satanism is a breed of elitist humanism combined with ritual and dogma. That sums it up pretty well.
their orientation is best summed up by LeVay's satanic golden rule. Do unto others as they would do unto you. Only do it first. Members of the Church of Satan are ranked in a degree system. The titles of the rankings from lowest to highest are Satanist, which are warlock, priests or priestess of Mendez, magister and mag magus. Each rank or degree is expressed with Roman numerals and the degree symbol. Third degree, for instance, would be expressed with, uh, it shows three with this little degree symbol, and fourth degree is IV with a little degree symbol. Um, I think they've got a slightly different uh, ranking system today. I think they have... Um, it's, it's more formalized, I think, than, than it was even back then. Uh, but it's, it, this, we're talking about what they had in 1993, and it's not that important about the ranking system for our purposes. The rituals of the Church of Satan are filled with showmanship. In his youth, LeVay worked with circuses and carnivals. Because of his Carney-inspired sense of so showmanship, LeVay drove a customized hearse, and the original Church of Satan was a Victorian house painted black. In the 1960s and 1970s, the church was publicity-oriented and invited print and broadcast media to cover rituals. The satanic baptism of LeVay's daughter Zena in 1967 made news nationwide. The church even published a newsletter called The Cloven Hoof. Currently, as a result of occult crime's rapid growth, the church is shunning the media. I don't know if that was the reason or not, but let's just leave it at that. In addition to baptisms, weddings, and funerals, the church performs three basic rituals, which are magical rites. The goals of the three types of rites are to gain sex, to gain money, or to destroy an enemy. The rituals and procedures are described in the Satanic Bible and operate much like applied psychology. There are five ingredients, as LeVay calls them, for the performance of Satanic magic. And magic is spelled M-A-G-I-C-K. They are desire, timing, imagery, direction, and the balance factor. For example, in destruction rites, the ingredients apply as follows. Number one, desire. In order, in short, the operators must truly desire the destruction of the victim. They must want it so badly they can taste it. Uh, two, timing. The hex should be cast when the intended victim is most receptive, and in other words, when he or she is asleep. Two hours before the victim would normally wake is best, according to LeVay. Three, imagery. This phase is the blueprint for the spell. LeVay's Satanists destroy their enemies by proxy. The Satanic Bible specifies that an image of the victim must be destroyed in a violent manner. Pictures or dolls are recommended by LeVay for this purpose. 4. Direction. For the hex to function properly, the magic worker is told he or she must not worry about how well the hex is working after it is launched. The release of energy must be total and the operator and then the operator must go about his or her normal business. Five, the balance factor. In sex and personal gain spells, balance is simply knowing that some things are beyond the powers of magic. 
Balance is not a factor in spells of destruction. According to the Satanic Bible, destructive power has no limits. These three types of rituals involve no criminal activity, and the Church of Satan itself is basically harmless from an occult crime point of view. Its real interest to law enforcement is the fact that it can serve as an introduction to the occult. Persons who join may feel they want more or leave the church and join a more violent category of Satanist. And of course, um, of course, that probably is is. I'm sure it's happened, and it's going to. If anything, when you've got a very structured, rigid system that's supposed to, in a church that's supposed to appeal to outsiders and rebels, you're going to have a lot of people maybe who join for a lark or because they're initially intrigued and then get turned off and um, move on to something else. Uh, uh, you know, officially the Church of Satan has not been tied in with any, as far as I know, has not been tied in with any crimes whatsoever as an official entity. Richard Ramirez was a member of the Church of Satan. Zena LaVey and her husband Peter Schreck showed up at his trials, provided support. Uh, Ramirez was an avowed Satanist and uh, yeah, arguably that part of what he was doing and, and committing his crimes was serving Satan according to his way of thinking. Now, that certainly tied in with basically what he simply wanted to do as a criminal, as a psychopath, but uh, there was that element there. And it's, it's so does, has the Church of Satan ever been somewhat associated with at least one of the worst criminals in the United in the United States history. Yes, and there's a lot of a lot of uh, static about Charles Manson having been involved in some level with the Church of Satan. He was there in that era. I'm certainly it's hard to imagine that he wasn't exposed to it on some level. And you know, I haven't haven't got I, I I've got an old uh, copy of uh, the Family by Ann San Ed Sanders, which got, actually the first edition, which got in trouble with the uh, Process Church because they tied the Process Church in with Manson, and they took it out in subsequent editions uh, because of circumstances. I've got a lot of stuff packed away right now, which is one reason I've been not podcasting, uh, uh, I, I, I'm not able to access that copy, but uh, see what that actually says, but I, I don't think it's anything that explicit about the Church of Satan, which is only very, 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 very loose association with the Process Church. Uh, they're sort of in the same realm, you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, like Catholics and Protestants are both sort of basically in the same realm, that they're both 
um, groups of Christians. Um, the Satanic Bible, available in both English and Spanish, the Satanic Bible is well written by a man of obvious intellect. The vocabulary is sophisticated, causing a problem for juvenile readers who acquire the book. Few of them ever read it cover to cover. Instead, they often study the section on satanic rituals without first reading the section that describes the belief structure on which the rituals are based. Although the Satanic Bible prohibits the killing of humans or animals, portions of it taking out of context can be deadly. For example, the book deals with sacrifice in this section on rituals, though LeVay has earlier explained his concept of sacrifice as symbolic. Here's an old uh, trickster ploy, which is you described you describe ritual sacrifice, and then you say, well, we're really not talking about ritual sacrifice as such, but a symbolic form of ritual sacrifice. So, you know, they do this with Crowley in his infamous, the infamous passage where he describes the perfect victims of, of being, you know, young, pure boys uh, uh, as being the perfect sacrificial victims. Uh, and then the gloss on that, the spin on that, is he was really talking about, well, he wasn't really talking about sacrificing young children. He's talking about masturbation and the sacrificing of the seed, so to speak. And LeVay does the same sort of uh, misdirection here where he would talk about ritual sacrifice and then uh, well, you know, it's just symbolic. We're not really sacrificing anybody. Just like uh, this, just describe this uh, ritual that you go through to uh, cast a spell on somebody. Well, you know, it, what happens is that could set somebody up for wishing utter destruction on somebody, somebody might actually decide to actually visit utter destruction on somebody as a on the basis of that uh, belief system, even though LeVay specifically says not to do that. But, you know, who's he in the... Why should I listen to the Black Pope? I'm a good Satanist. I don't have to listen to the authorities, even the Black Pope you know, and go kill somebody. I can certainly, I mean, that makes perfect sense to me. Maybe it doesn't make sense to anybody else. I think it probably would. But the point being is, you know, if, you're, if you are overturning all these conventions, then one of the conventions you overturn is listening to authorities like the Black Pope. So whatever the Black Pope has to say, you, you take and use whatever the Black Pope tells you it's useful for your purposes and the rest of it you can simply discard now obviously the satan the church of satan doesn't want to do that because they want to they want to stay they want to toe that line where they can hint or play around with the idea that they're uh, evil and you know they're devoted to uh, absolute satisfaction of egoistic desires even if that extends to something that transgresses the, brown, the bounds of conventional morality, as long as they're not breaking the law. 
But, you know, when you start moving in that path, it's not that hard to go further with that. Which is why I say the idea that the Church of Satan has, it poses no real danger to anybody is, I think, false uh, in that it, it would seem to open the door to a whole range of ideas about the satisfaction of desires and the destruction of other people that uh, would allow horrible things to be done to other people, utter destruction done to other people. On the basis and uh, the, the basis that you know, I'm not bound by any morality except the satisfaction of my own desires. And uh, honestly, how many of us have not, at some point in our lives, wished the utter destruction of somebody else? The final result is that Lavey's harmless rituals are modified forms and then can become criminal rights. Just got. Just, just got through saying that myself. The Satanic Bible is broken into four sections called books, each named for one of the four princes of hell identified by Christian theologians. And the, there's so much irony here. He, they totally reject this idea that they're bound by this Christian, this Christian notion of the, but at the same time, it structures their, the the whole church, from the very name of it. The first section, the Book of Satan, is the Satanic Book of Law. Lavey calls it the Infernal Diatribe. Its six pages are broken into five parts, each made up of five to thirteen verses, written in a fashion similar to the Holy Bible. The Book of Satan is Satan's case against traditional religions, written as if Satan himself were speaking to the reader. The second section, the book of Lucifer, called The Enlightenment by LaVey, explains the basics of LaVey's breed of satanic worship. Among other things, it includes a list of demons and devils for use in satanic rituals. The book of Lucifer also contains the Church of Satan's theology, its views on love, hate, and sex, and its strict prohibition of human or animal sacrifice. Although other types of occultists do not agree with LaVey in this matter, uh, in this matter he insists that killing an animal or human serves no useful magical function. The book of Lucifer also discusses satanic holidays and looks at the world history of Satan worship. The third section, the book of Belial, is called The Mastery of the Earth and details the basics of satanic magic as envisioned by Anton LaVey. Included in this section are the descriptions of ritual objects used by the Church of Satan and the blueprints for the three basic types of satanic rituals practiced by the Church. The fourth section of the Satanic Bible, the Book of Leviathan, called the Raging Sea, lists the invocation to Satan the conjurations for the four types of rituals and other magical information. And then we go into the process church of the final judgment, which again has gone off into a whole different world since this was written. But let's, uh, let's see what he has to say about the process church here. Another organized and above board satanic church that predated LaVey's better known organization was the process church of the final judgment. 
The process was started in 1962 in London, England by Robert and Marianne de Grimston, also known as Robert Moore and Marianne McLean, who were originally devotees of L. Ron Hubbard's Scientology. The process came to the United States in 1967, aggressively recruiting and setting up small groups on college campuses across the country. You know, I'll say briefly, I remember being in New Orleans around 1969, 1970, maybe 1971, and seeing uh, process members walking around the French Quarter, long black capes, handing out tracts. Uh, New Orleans was one of the places where they had a, a foothold and uh, found, I guess they found it a lively recruiting area for a time. I'm not sure how big the process church ever got. They certainly got a lot of media publicity at different times. Uh, but I would suggest they're, they're much less well-known at this point than the Church of Satan, even though they're pretty well-known and people who look into this sort of, look into uh, occult organizations. They're very well-known, but general public may have heard of the Church of Satan. A lot of people would, but they would ne probably never hear of the Process Church. Anyway, the Process Church had three deities, Jehovah, Lucifer, and Satan. The group's basic belief was that Jesus, called Lucifer by the process, preached love and forgiveness, so he must have forgiven Satan by now. The process church taught that God, Jehovah, Jesus, also known as Lucifer, and Satan were all on the same side and were working together. Jehovah saw, oversaw everything, Lucifer was judge, and Satan was the ex executor of judgment. To worship any of the three was to worship all three. The three forms of worship varied radically, the Jehovah worshippers being fairly straight-laced, straight the Lucifer worshippers preaching free love, and the Satan worshippers allegedly interested in sex and violence. The genius of the theology is that under one roof there was something to appeal to everybody. However, all members were required to spend some time in the satanic part of the process, no matter which of the three gods they worshipped. The process had six internal rankings for members, from lowest to highest. They were acolyte, initiate, messenger, prophet, priest, and master. Although there were many rumors of illegal activity associated with the group, nothing was ever proved nor were charges ever brought against the group. Robert de Grimston wrote several books and the process printed pamphlets in the magazine. The de Grimstons eventually divorced, each claiming the process. The division of leadership combined with this considerable autonomy at the local level resulted in the complete disintegration of the process. It splintered into, splintered into dozens of smaller independent groups. As the the Grimstons fought for control of the process. Many local leaders abandoned the central organization went off on their own. Some of these groups still exist and are discussed under the splinter group category. Now, other satanic churches. The satanic church category also includes other satanic groups not, pro not profiled in detail here, such as Our Lady of Indoor Coven, the Cultus Satanus, a little-known 
Ohio satanic group founded by Herbert Arthur Sloan that is actually the oldest publicly established satanic group in America. And the Brotherhood of the Ram, a Los Angeles group established in 1960 that requires its members to sign a pact in their own blood. In a summary, there is no occult crime associated with the satanic church category. Even so, many people who leave these groups later become involved in occult crime, taking with them ideas on group structure, ritual, and dogma. And I'm going to leave it at that today. You know, the, these reading sessions, uh, you know, I'm not that great on extemporaneous talk, I don't think, and, and uh, uh, reading out of a, an, a book from 30, 35 years ago about occultism, you know, leaves, oh, there's a world of things that have happened since then. And we're not really going to try to cover that. I think most most of these splinter groups that they were talking about toward the end there probably no longer exist in any meaningful sense. Or if they have, they've changed drastically. Certainly the process church has taken on various forms, um, including a animal welfare league. And... Uh, so you know, much much has changed. Uh, we we didn't even get into say the Temple of Set, and, uh, which is which was ongoing at that time, but uh, it's taken on you know its own life more more so in in the years that have passed that have since passed. Uh, uh, you know, and there are newer organizations such as the Order of the Nine Angles. It's radically different and certainly criminally oriented. And, uh, of course, the Church of Satan would all describe these people as heretics, pseudo-Satanists, you know. And we get into this, we get into this strange thing where people want to talk about Satanism and the only kind of Satanism that they are willing to talk about is the Church of Satan, Satanism, which is at least nominally on the face of it, in a legal sense, harmless, without considering any of the ramifications of the, its philosophy or its stated beliefs of justifying the utter destruction of its foes, for instance describing, you know, rituals to control people, take power from them. You know, uh, the kind of things that are really potentially very, very dangerous. Now, I don't know that Eccles was actually that influenced by Anton LaVey or the Church of Satan. I'm not sure we've. He's not very forthcoming about any of this, just as in keeping with his um, lifelong role model, Aleister Crowley. Uh, it's not really clear whether you could call him a Satanist or not, though he certainly creeps into that category from time to time. Just as you know, if you read enough, you you sort of get the idea, particularly with Crowley. 
that, you know, indeed he was actually worshiping a, uh, what he considered to be a satanic being. He just didn't call it Satan most of the time. And um, when I say worship, he was really sort of like working in tandem partnership with it. And I, I think Eccles sees himself as working in partnership with these. He seems to be thinking of working in, in partnership with these entities that he calls angels. Um, some admonitions without throwing a religious thing into this. And I have some religious convictions, but I'm not trying to bring that to it. But there, there, are, there are within the Christian belief structure in the Bible, it gives warning about, you know, these false entities. Uh, beings who might appear to be, might give the appearance of being, and people who might give the appearance of being one thing when they're really something else they might act as if they're uh, participating in God's work when actually they're working for cross purposes for all that um, I don't think that's that hard to understand and I don't think it would be out of line for Eccles to be talking about quoting the Bible and talking about angels and at the same time perverting all the all that rhetoric uh, all his understanding of those entities to his own purposes, which are egoistic at the very least and malevolent and evil, perhaps. Though he doesn't, he's not explicit about that. He doesn't talk about casting spells anymore, about casting spells against people as such, but one wonders whether he does or doesn't, and I would suspect he does. Uh, nobody, uh, nobody who interviews him ever gets gets into the meat of all this. They don't get into the meat of his beliefs in a critical fashion. They certainly don't get into the meat of the criminal case. He's allowed to expound on whatever he wants to expound on with uh, in a non-critical fashion. He can say whatever he wants to say, and uh, nobody questions him or challenges him on anything. It's been the case for quite some time now. I don't expect it to change, and... Uh, since he has venues where he really just can bypass any, any, uh, you know, with the advent of social media, YouTube, and so forth, he can simply bypass all the usual, the old media outlets and simply put out, have a Patreon account, put out YouTube videos, write books, and he really just simply doesn't have to deal with any sort of challenges whatsoever. Uh, He's nominally involved in this challenge in the court system over the evidence in his case. It's notable that he has never actually sought to have the evidence retested. He just simply is complaining that they didn't handle it the way he felt they should have handled the evidence uh, from his understanding of it. Since nobody beyond 
the sphere of perhaps some certain parties in the West Memphis Police Department even know what's actually involved in all that, what's actually missing, what's not missing, what's been destroyed, what's what's still available, the extent of the of, of destruction of evidence, if there was any destruction of evidence. Um, all that is very unclear at this point. And I... I would like to see it cleared up. I don't think it's going to go beyond uh, if they if they ignore the court order. I think they're going to be in some bit of trouble. But if they provide some sort of nominal paperwork with whatever record keeping they have and say this is what we have available, and it may not be much. Uh, I think the court may be satisfied with that, and that may be the end of it. Anyway, um, I expect it's going to be, I have a lot of things going on. I'm not even going to get into details because, uh, you know, there's some some things I just don't want to go into detail in a public sphere about, but uh, um, I, I have things going on, uh, not bad things for the most part, had a few minor aggravating health issues that have contributed to my delay in getting back into the uh, podcasting sphere, but it may be another couple of weeks or a month before I'm actually in a position to do another podcast. I'm going to apologize ahead of time for the delays, uh, and thank you for listening. This is Gary Meese signing out. Uh, oh, by the way, I do have th- three books on the West Memphis Three case. Blood on Black, the case against the West Memphis Three Killers, which is a combined version of Blood on Black and Where the Monsters Go, which is the second volume. There's a two-volume set, Blood on Black and Where the Monsters Go. They're available on Kindle, uh, in Kindle and in print on uh, Amazon. Thank you for listening.